Panthers are back on top. Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo as always. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. You're back in New York now. Back in New York. Yeah. Um, temporary studio for now. Um, gonna get, gonna get an apartment soon. So, um, TBD to the official studio and hopefully we can get some live, live episodes going. Some live episodes. Hopefully we can get some more guests on. I mean, uh, well, uh, yeah. And I think, I think we have Jared Shea later on tonight. Um, yeah, if we have time, we'll have Jared Shea on. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll get Barker next week. Yeah, maybe we will for a little preseason preview. Yeah, a little preseason preview. We got our big fantasy hockey draft next weekend, too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so it should be a blast. I mean, what's going on? Like, I was, like, making a list of stuff to, to talk about on this episode, and there is just so much to talk about, really, uh, that's been going on. Yeah, there's on. a lot around the league but obviously we have to start it off with the world juniors uh which ended last night usa taking home gold two nothing win over canada uh what were your thoughts on this one uh i thought the u.s played a fantastic game um i don't want to say canada played a bad game because i think they were just like not the better team out there no, I, I, and I it don't... showed like I, I, I don't want to say they played bad because I want to give the credit to the U.S. Yeah, like I thought the USA played the best game they'd played all tournament. Uh, I didn't think Canada played terribly, but they didn't I don't think they played their best game. Uh, and when they did get chances, uh, Spencer Knight was right there, obviously making the saves, uh, which I mean, great for him, great for Panthers fans. Uh, and I mean, on the other side, Devin Levi was by no means bad. No, the first shot, like it, it's it's a tip in close by Alex Turcott. It, it, the, honestly, like it, that was not on him. You could blame that on Caden Gooley, who was. Oh, I do lost, blame it on Caden Gooley. 100%. He, he, lost, he lost his man in front of the net, and that's that's honestly what what happened, and that's that's how you explain the goal. I mean, there's really no other way of explaining it. Um, not on Devin Levi at all. Um, he played a fantastic game, I thought. He really did. I, you know, that's the thing. Like, for Panthers fans, like, both goalies were excellent in this one. Like, yeah. Like, it's a 2 nothing game. Uh, neither goal really Levi's fault. The second one was kind of just a weird bounce off the boards um, that everyone on Canada seemed to read wrong. And at the other end, like, Canada had their chances, but Spencer Knight was there every time. And yeah. it, it just didn't matter. So, I mean – deserving win for for team usa without a doubt very much so and i mean one of the things that caught uh, a bit of attention was before the game some comments made by trevor zegris saying that he didn't think this team canada had been tested enough at five on five he didn't think devin levi had been tested at five on five and that they were going to go and prove that uh some people i saw didn't like the comments uh they thought it was i guess cocky or arrogant or whatever so i know some you know team canada fans were up in arms about it uh i didn't really have any problem with it uh but what were your thoughts on it i i mean 100 i completely agree with the comments um i i kind of interpreted them in my own kind of way i i took the comments as meaning is 
listen, Canada has not actually been able to play good competition in the tournament, not because of the quality of the teams they played, but because they were never put in a position of adversity. Uh, yeah, which is absolutely true. I mean, coming into the game, Canada had never trailed. Never given up a goal five on five. Never given up a ga- goal five on five. And, I mean, let, let's face it. It was written in the sky that Canada was going to trail in this game. And we were going to, like, it, it was going to be judged on how is Canada going to be able to come back from a deficit. Yeah. And I, and I like- think the, I mean, and that's how I interpreted Zegris's comments as like we're, we're gonna we're gonna put them in an uncomfortable situations situations they haven't been in before and that that's what it's gonna be yeah like I again and like I have no issue with the player coming out and saying that like this is gold medal game you're playing team Canada like it is your rival right so you know I would fully expect and you know want them to come out and say something like that but you have to back it up with the way you play and I mean, he and the rest of Team USA, like they absolutely did that. I and mean, just a fantastic game. It's it was honestly the entire team, from goalie to defense to forwards, they played an incredibly structured game of hockey. And that's that's what it came down to. And I mean, people have been like bragging about Canada's solid defense how good it is we saw them very much unstructured yeah they definitely looked you know i think a big part of this game was always going to come down to the top two lines for both team and who came out on top and really all night like the cousins line like they got nothing going the the zegers and i think we, we 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 both talked about this a little off air but i think we both agreed that this was dylan cousins's worst game for sure. Like not even not even clo- not even close. Like he played a terrible game. He couldn't yeah. get anything going. He missed some shots. Terrible yeah, like, game. Like and I don't think that's all on him. Like a lot of that I think is just credit to the US for the way they played him. Right? Like a, a lot of the success he had early in the tournament was like fast breaks out of the zone and, and having too much time coming in on the rush and the US really didn't give him a lot of that in this game. Uh so they really were able to to limit his strengths. Yeah. So like, yeah, he wasn't you know noticeably good, but I think a lot of that I would just give a lot of credit to the U.S. and the way they played. Yeah, and then McMichael just couldn't finish his chances. I mean, he we saw him get a breakaway. I think in the third period, late in the third period. I mean, didn't get anything going there. I I didn't, I thought it was a poor breakaway attempt. Um, I just. You you come into this tournament with so many expectations about the different players. And I mean, some expectations are bound to get um, broken. Like it's just the reality. And I think I expected Connor McMichael to be the goal scorer for Canada. And he really wasn't. Yeah. And again, like that, that, like that, that kind of stuff, like I only want to like, draw conclusions about based on this tournament like yeah 100 percent. nothing to do with their long-term future and potential no but it's just for this tournament you would want those guys that are supposed to be the guys that are gonna get it done for you to step up and to do that uh i mean yeah and i think 
the the only guy that really like in that game and I know you like Dylan Holloway's performance in that game but the only guy for me that really stood out and he and he was recognized for it was Bowen Byram he was all over the ice oh, absolutely the, he, I mean Colorado just exceptional player they got there um and I think that was part of the Duchesne trade is that correct the Duchesne trade uh yes yeah so looks like it's working out for them so far. It's, uh, it, it looks pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, that defense is going to be crazy. Crazy. And, and they drew looked, Hellison on the other side too, who was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he, I mean, Bowen Byram look, was definitely, I think, the best player out there other than maybe Zegers on the other side. Um, it's, it, it was a shame because a lot of times on the ice, it just looked like he was alone out there trying to create stuff and just it wasn't working and he wasn't getting the support he needed. Yeah, absolutely. He seemed like one of the few that really showed up to play. Uh, there just wasn't enough of that from team Canada. Uh, but again, yeah, for Panthers fans in this one, it's like you got to be happy with the way Knight played and with the way Levi played. Exactly. Very, very positive signs for the, the future of the Panthers uh, goaltending situation. Uh, even though they still have Bobrovsky signed for like a million more years, <laughs> at, you know, ridiculous amount of money, but it's nice to know that like the, the pipeline's looking good. And especially as Spencer Knight, like he's a guy, you know, people have known for a while and obviously a very high pick, but to have Devin Levi come in and win goalie of the tournament and, and to play the way he did, uh, I think was just a really pleasant surprise for a lot of people. I it was I I definitely think he he won breakout player of the tournament for me. Um, I mean nobody expected him to play the way he played. He was my pick for goalie of the tournament. I think the only player or the only person who expected him to kind of come out like that was Roberto Luongo. Yeah, you know it's no nobody was expecting that from him, and that was just an amazing surprise, especially from a Panthers perspective. Yeah, which is really awesome. And then, obviously, some other prospects they had in the tournament. Uh, they had Emil Heinemann on the, the Swedish team, which disappointed. Uh, and he was kind of just a depth player on that team. Uh, and it is a later-round pick, so I thought he had a really solid tournament of exactly what you'd expect. And then, I mean, Team Finland, which really was just Anton Lindell. Like, he was the guy that got things going for that team. Uh, he was the, the entire tournament. He was deservedly one. Um, he was what one of the three most valuable players for Finland. Um, deservedly so. Um, I mean, and it's nice that all the Panthers prospects medaled in this tournament, except for Heinemann. Very cool. Um, so, but he was he was Team Finland with um, Villanola on defense. Yeah, like other guys had like good tournaments for Finland. Like, like Topi Nimala was good. Ronnie Hervonen was good. Summon Tuval was good. But he was really the guy that uh, was driving everything for that team. Uh, and definitely a guy to be excited about in the future. Obviously, we won't see him this year in Florida, uh, but hopefully next year he's there. I, I think that if he wants to make the jump next year, he, he's going to be able to fit right into the NHL. Um, I, it's. It's going to be up to him, uh, but he's he's NHL ready in my book. 
yeah, I think I think he's pretty close to uh, that level, and a guy definitely to be excited about. Uh, you know, as Panthers fans, I expect him to to come in and be a good player uh, down the line, but just a really solid tournament from him. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I mean, Casper Pudia was good too for Finland. He was, he was, and he was, he was on the ice for the like important, uh, important uh, situations. So like he, he was on the ice to try and tie it against the U.S. when the U.S. Uh, scored the go-ahead goal uh, very late in the game, and he, he was taking a significant role on that team. Yeah, I think, uh, I, like I was just really impressed with his offense. Like I didn't know he had. Uh, the, the level of puck moving ability that he displayed this tournament. Uh, that was something that really stood out for me. Uh, and so just another player to come away with positive, you know, a positive impression from this tournament. 100%. Uh, and overall, just, it, you know, it was a great tournament. It was nice to finally have some hockey. Yeah. And I on. think, I, I think we can all look like at least my, the, the big thing at the at the start of the tournament when we had all those blowouts was, well, like, sh- do we need to change the format of the tournament? And no, like, please do not. Like, for no, me, it, it that's works a resounding so well. no. Yeah. Like, I think it worked out very well. I think everyone was happy. Um, I really, like, I, I think it was a perfect tournament. Yeah, it sucks for Austria. I, they got blown out in every game, but I think they were just happy to be there. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's something, you know, these kids dream about growing up, uh, of playing in this tournament. And so, so then, yeah, it sucks getting blown out every game. But just to be there and to have that experience and to get to play against these top nations, uh, I think a lot of the players take a ton of pride in that. Yeah, and, and I, I think mean, it, means, and, it means a ton for the actual program itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you just... You, you get players who do come through from these small countries that are really good players. Like we've had some really good Swiss players the last few years we've had, you know, we had Marco Rossi, who was, you know, the only guy on Austria this year. Uh, so for players like that, it, it's really fun to watch them play in this type of environment. And overall, I think, yeah, they did an incredible job with, with this year's tournament, all things considered. They, they, they really did. And I mean, I, I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, and I thought Panthers prospects looked pretty darn good out there. Yeah, no, yeah, they were all, all fantastic. So credit to them. Uh, but we'll move on here, Noah, because we got lots to talk about again this episode. Uh, news coming out this week. Uh, there was the deadline for AHL teams to opt out of next season. And one of those teams was the Charlotte Checkers, Panthers, AHL affiliate. Uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, in both the short-term and long-term implications? So so I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, three AHL teams opted out? Yeah, I think it was three. Yeah, so I, I know the St. Louis Blues affiliate also opted out. Um, it's... I can understand it because we, I mean, we, we, we can both understand the business side of the sport and understand that. I mean, I, I, I don't know what the situation is in North Carolina, but if, if the team thinks that it's just too expensive to play and it doesn't make sense financially, 
I'm 100% on board with that. Like, I don't think that's what's going to make the difference in developing prospects. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, they're still going to, they're, they're still going to play. It's just for a different team. Yeah. So the Syracuse crunch Tampa Bay lightning affiliate have said that they would take in the prospects uh, so they could play and practice with the team. Yeah. Uh-huh. And can I, can I just say like the Syracuse crunch is an incredible organization. I mean, head coaches, I think is still been and he was, he's awesome. Um, just a developing prospects. He's, I mean, look I at mean, Tampa Bay. Yeah. You look at Tampa Bay and you the guys that Bay. they've developed and like they draft well, but they also know how to develop their prospects. And I think that's what it comes down to. And I uh, honestly, like if th- this is the best plan B that the Panthers could have, I think. Yeah. I mean, the only real downside to it is that, a, it's further like a, it's further away, so you're not going to see your prospects as much. Harder to get views of them, but also, you know, by having Panthers and Lightning prospects all playing on the same team, like you're competing for ice time. So some guys who on the checkers might have been, you know, 15, 20 minute a night guys, uh, they won't get nearly that much ice time playing on a, a Syracuse Crunch team, mm-hmm. especially some of the uh, later round draft pick prospects who you know, aren't in those prominent roles. Uh, they might really see their, their deployment suffer, but other than that, like, and that's, you know, that is what it is. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to this partnership. I think it's, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, I don't even know if there's going to be an ECHL season. I haven't been following that enough. Oh no, they Um, are playing. Oh, they're playing right now, right? They they have a very limited number of teams. I was going to say, have you not been watching our Swamp Rabbits? I have not, but you're right. They are playing right now. Very limited number of teams. I think they have, what, 11 teams right now? I could be wrong. I, I really... I, I don't sure. know. I, I don't know the exact number. I did not but before this. Um, I, I, I think it's just good and... I don't think the Panthers are going to lose anything by not having the checkers play. No. And if it allows the checkers to, you know, stay afloat as an organization and come back next year, then fantastic. We talked about whether this earlier, about whether this would count as one of the years on their uh, partnership with the Charlotte checkers, because they just signed that new agreement this summer, um, which we don't have the answer to. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. It's, it's a great question. I I doubt it. I wouldn't think so, just because they're not playing. Yeah, and that seems. But like there's pro- be- my guess is like when they signed the agreement because they signed it during COVID. Um, that they knew this was a possibility. They knew this was a possibility, and there's definitely a clause in the contract that allowed the checkers to opt out. Because you have to remember, like some teams have the same ownership group with their affiliate, and obviously the Panthers don't. Um, so my guess is there's definitely a clause in there that like kind of um, pushes it a year. That, yeah, exactly. The pushes a year and just keeps both organizations safe. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about all this financial stuff, uh, you know, with, with hockey and everything. And one of the pieces of news that also came out this week was that the NHL would be having uh, sponsors 
uh, sponsor names for their divisions, uh, which is something different. Obviously, we now have the Scotia North Division, the Honda West Division, the Discover Central Division, and the Mass Mutual East Division. Uh, some people weren't big fans of the idea. Uh, Man, some people were really against it. Which I don't particularly understand. Me neither. I mean, like, really, like, who cares? Legitimately. Like, there could have been sponsor you names. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah, you don't have to call it the Scotia North Division. You could just call it the North Division or the Canada Division. Most people makes... are going to call it the Canada Division. Yeah, like, that's just... Like, they're, like honestly, like, it's such an insignificant thing. Like, it's exactly. not like... I'm, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not watching hockey because... Ugh. You know, it's, it's that, the that's Honda the way West. It, I'm pretty sure it used to be this way in the NHL. Well, they, um, yeah, they, they used to have the... Adams. Uh, well, those are players. Yeah, like, those, those were are, players, but... In the, uh, in the WHA... Yeah, days, it was WHA. The WHA had a sponsor for the trophy. Avco. Yeah. So yeah. That, and... like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, even like... I don't know. And there's also like, there's people who didn't like them having sponsor names on the helmets. Okay. Well, here's the helmets is a little harder to digest because you're actually seeing it in action. I mean, it's a very small part, but I can understand people that have a problem with that more than people that have a problem with the, um, with, with the divisions. I think that's yeah. Ridiculous. Like the divisions you're never going to see really doesn't matter. Obviously, the helmet ads are on the ice. Uh, I still, I think it's still way better than having like a jersey advertisement because if we have a jersey sponsor, yeah. then anytime someone yeah. goes to buy a jersey, like you'd have like the BB&T logo or the Ford logo on it, right? But yeah. no one's out there going like, "I'm gonna buy like a Panthers helmet." Like no. <laughs> and no and if you do, it's that. just for your collection, and at that point, it doesn't really make a difference if it has the 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 sponsor's logo or the team's logo it's yeah. i think it'd be kind of cool to have the sponsor's logo because it's it's fully legitimate but it's it doesn't make that much of a difference for me um what's going to be interesting i don't know if the hurricanes announced it if they had a, s- a sponsor for their helmet do you know the hurricanes yeah no i don't know why i well because they have that cool 3d uh like sticker on their helmets yeah a couple of teams have that well, I want I want to know if there's like sponsor is gonna have a 3D sticker. Yeah. If that's just kind of like. Um, what question? Would you have preferred so like you know how they have the ad sponsors at the World Juniors on the helmet? God no. But they're on. You'd rather have on the side than on the. Front? Oh yeah. I mean, you look. So let's take the example of uh, the. I don't know. This really doesn't matter. Uh, the Finland. New Jersey Devils. Oh. Right. They they wear black helmets and they're gonna have Prudential. Prudential has a white uh, white logo. Yeah, it looks fantastic. It blends in so easily. Yeah. Whereas you have literally a billboard on the front of your helmet. It looks awful. Yeah, but then you could keep the side 3D logos. <laughs> so it's that trade-off. That's what you have to balance. Fair enough. It's fair how much enough. worse it looks, but you get the 3D side logo. You get like... the 3D logo, which might be worth it. Um, let's see if teams should just put the 3D logo in front. Yeah, <laughs> um, but my my question is is hypothetically, 
let's say this is October 2021. Everyone's vaccinated, full capacity in arenas. <laughs> okay. Which I mean, this sounds fantastic already. Sounds amazing. Um, do do we think that we still have helmet logos? Do we st- do we still have helmet sponsors? And do we still have division sponsors? Right, and I think that question. I mean, it really depends on the financial situation of the league, right? Like the whole purpose of them doing this right now is because they're losing a ton of money by not having a ton of fans there, right? Which I think is the argument a lot of people make. Like, I don't really care if you're going to sponsor the vision. If that means people can keep their jobs and we can, you know, you guys can have a season, go for it, right? Like, yeah, I love the Honda division. Like, whatever, I don't care. But I mean, you know what's interesting is the the NBA and the NFL – they didn't have to do any of this. The NBA, they already had jersey sponsors, though. They already had jersey sponsors. Those are v- very true, very true. But I think that, that that kind of stems back to the whole point of their TV contracts are insane. Oh, yeah. Incredible. And is the NHL going to be able to enter that ballpark at the end of the season with a... S- Obviously not nearly as much, but no. can we can we get a billion dollars? I mean, and like with Seattle coming into their expansion fee and everything, like it'll help. I think I think they'll be at a position where like they don't have to have the the sponsors on the divisions or the, the helmet sponsors. Like it's not necessary, but if it can help like continue to speed up the the recovery time to get back to where they were then I think you have to consider doing it and you know, we'll see how it goes. Like, I really don't think anyone's going to have a huge issue with it this season. No, I, and if you do, like you're just being ignorant because you have to understand the financial situation and the implications. Yeah. Like, let's like, I would much rather see like uh, the Ford logo instead of the Panthers logo on the Jersey. If it meant having a season versus not having a season. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, yeah, if you're the NHL, you're trying, you're trying to make money and you're not going to lose. I don't like by having a helmet sponsor, you're not going to lose any money. No, one's not going to watch because exactly of, of an ad on a helmet, right? That just doesn't happen with the sports fans of any sport. Uh, so yeah, if it's going to make you money and not turn anyone away, which I don't think it will, then yeah. Why wouldn't you do it? 100% agree. And right. I mean, the, the the whole point of, I mean, I really don't understand people who say that the NHL is selling out. And, well, I mean, first of all, they are selling out. But they with kind of have to. They kind of have to. They have a pretty darn good reason. And yeah, they're not, they're not doing it for fun. Or it's not... Exactly. I if think this is one they... of those few times where you can say it's not the NHL being greedy. Exactly. And if the NHL really wanted to do this, they would have done it like years ago. Yeah. That's just the reality. Uh, so the fact, honestly, the fact that it's taken them this long to do it is shocking. The it fact it that, like, really the, is. The NBA did it years ago. And the fact that the NHL didn't like follow suit immediately after is shocking to me. It really is. I completely yeah. agree with you on that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, there's some really like I saw uh, one of my roommates had wrote a paper on like Jersey sponsors, right. In the NBA. And talking about how, like, the, the Clippers sponsors Bumble, right? Bumble, yeah. 
but like how like the Clippers could have been sponsored by like Tinder and you could like build up that rivalry through your sponsors too mm-hmm. by having them be rivals and be like, oh, like Tinder's better than Bumble, which I mean, it's <laughs> up for debate, but it is. <laughs> right. So like, there's that option too, which I think could be really cool. If teams took yeah, I mean, if if we can if we can bring it back, we we talked about the the Nordiques a few weeks ago, and I don't want to go on a huge tangent like yeah, we did that, last time. Yeah, that that took way too long. But the I mean, the short story is I mean, in Montreal still to this well, they had a little pause in there, but Montreal the Habs they're owned by Molson, right? Molson. I mean, now it's technically Molson Coors because they merged. Yeah, sure, but whatever, still Molson. The Nordiques, well, because Gillette owned the Habs for a bit in in there, uh, but the Nordiques were owned by a brewery called O'Keefe, and that that's basically owned by Carlsberg, right? Um, you know, you know Carlsberg, of course. Um, so here's the thing: like, if you were a Nordiques fan, you did not drink Molson's product, Molson products, and if you were a Habs fan, you never drank O'Keefe products. You only drank Molson products. I mean, I'm and not if a... You, if you I, drank the opposite, you were legitimately looked at like a traitor. Yeah. And th- that's that's not even a sponsorship. Like, that's completely different. But That's just your ownership. That, exactly. But there's that, like... And I can tell you 100% that fueled the rivalry. Oh, yeah. Well, we talked about it earlier, right? Like, you'd mentioned, like having like a Dunkin' Donuts division or Tim Hortons division. But like, what if you had helmet sponsors and like the Habs were, were sponsored by Tim Hortons and the Bruins were Dunkin'? Yeah, exactly. Like how great would that be to involve the brands in the rivalry? Exactly. And I remember the Habs were playing the Bruins in the playoffs years ago. And the Tim, there's a Tim Hortons at the Bell Center. I, I wasn't there. I saw this on, on, on the internet. Um, literally, it was, it was so funny because you can get a Boston cream donut at Tim Hortons. Literally every single donut was sold out except that single like donut. Yeah, because yeah, there's such an opportunity for a rivalry. Um, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, yeah, I, like I think if, if you're gonna go the route of having more sponsors, uh, I think the way you do it without making a bunch of people angry is to be really uh thoughtful with the ones you choose to try. If you can build in those rivalries, I think. I it, mean, yeah exactly it has to be like some something like people actually consume like on a daily basis like i don't know if like toronto being sponsored by rogers and montreal being sponsored by bell i don't know how much that would actually contribute right almost nothing it it wouldn't be anything like nobody cares like they're gonna get the best internet service that's available like it's it's pretty arbitrary but if you go into those like fast-moving consumer goods or like just those quick cheap goods it can make a difference and it's like if we look at the panthers and the lightning i i i can't think of anything off the top of my head but i can guarantee you ford versus honda wouldn't is not going to make much of a difference no but if you had two yeah really highly consumed products i think yeah. i think it right? can make a difference and, and it ups the values of the sponsors too like instead of you know selling tim hortons on being the sponsor of the montreal canadians it's we're going to sell you on this rivalry too. And you can incorporate that in your branding and marketing. And now all of a sudden, this is worth a whole lot more to you exactly. than it is just as a straight up sponsor. Versus exactly. if you had gone out and sold a sponsorship to, to Bell or whoever, right? 
Exactly. And I completely agree with you with that. Um, it's something the NHL would have to explore. Um, but I definitely think there's something there. Yeah, I agree. I think the opportunity uh, is huge for, for, for this league. Uh, and we'll, we'll just have, we'll have to see if they do it beyond this season. I think the way they've kind of sold it right now, like especially with the division names, is just a one-year thing just to get us back on track when we go back. Yeah, to the and that, that's what I hope it is. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things. Like I hope it is, but I'm not mad if they don't. Exactly, I can live with it if it isn't. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, again, if it means we're playing hockey. I don't really care that much. One hundred percent. That's the yeah. that's the that's the perfect way. Yeah. Uh, quick transition here, though, to our last topic, though, the podcast because we could go on and on about this branding and sponsorship stuff for, for forever. Uh, but Panthers camp, obviously still going on. Uh, not a ton of news coming out of there. Obviously, uh, we touched on it before. Uh, we have uh, Duclair playing on that first line uh, with Barkov and Huberto. Uh, do you think that is a line that's going to work for the Panthers? I think so. I think Duclair is just kind of a guy that you can slot in anywhere and is going to produce at the rate of that line, right? And I really think that slotting Duclair on the first line, that he can put up first line numbers. I think he did it in Ottawa for half a season. There was kind of a drop off in the second half. Not sure what happened. Maybe he sensed COVID was coming. Um, But there, there's definitely I, – I definitely think that's the right spot for him. Um, I think he's a very versatile guy who can just finish plays, create plays. He, he's, he can, he can, he's going to play very well with those two guys. Yeah, and you look at who he's coming in to replace. Like, he's coming in to replace, you know, uh, you know Hoffman or Dadnov right on that line. Dadnov probably, yeah. Yeah, and it's – do you think he's a better player than Evgeny Dadanov? And the answer is defensively, no, he's much worse. <laughs> I 100%. You can't argue with that yet. There, uh, no, uh, no argument there. But offensively, like, I think he's a faster player than Dadanov. And I think he might, uh, he plays more kind of north south, maybe a bit more creativity. But from the, from the interviews and stuff that I've heard from around camp, it sounds like Barkov and Huberto are excited to play with them. They were super excited when the team signed him. And I think what he brings to the table really complements uh, the things that Barkov and Huberto do. I, I, I really think you're right on that. And like, yeah. Yeah. If you can get back to shooting the way he was in the, in the first part of the, of last season uh, with his speed, his skill level, um, I think it'd be a really nice trio. I like that they put them together in camp too early just because it is such a short camp. I mean, and that's that's all credit where credit is due to Joel Quenville. He, he's, he's coach Duclair. He knows what Duclair can bring, and it's, I, I think it's the right decision. Yeah, because it's and you're basically saying, this, like, this is a trio we're going to run this year, so we're going to put them together day one of camp and have them try and get as much chemistry as possible so that when the season starts, we're ready to go. And I really think that kind of by having Duclair on that first line, you're creating opportunity for your second and third line to be much stronger. Yeah, and right now projected on the second line, it's uh, Wenberg flanked by Vitrano and Hornquist. Um, 
which I think, you know, I think this is not. I think so it's. Much. I, I I can't. I can't really make a decision until I actually see them play in a in game. Yeah, based on kind of like again, yeah, because none of these guys have played together at all ever. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it's hard to get a read on them as a group, but like, <laughs> like, but individually, I think you're looking at a second line that is not as offensively driven as their second line was last year, but is probably more defensively conscious so i think it's a, a very well-rounded line it's it's going to be a, a second line that's going to be able to compete very well with other second lines in the division yeah I, and i think it's yeah it's a very versatile line where all the guys can just like kind of do a bunch of stuff um you know you're hoping they chip in with some offense but they all have that uh defensive responsibility as well and they have you know a bit of speed Hornquist can be a pest. That's a different element than what we saw last year in the top six, uh, which I think, uh, you know, again, gives this team a bit of a different look. Uh, and then on your third and fourth line right now, you have Denisenko and Tippett. Uh, do you think they end up working their way up the lineup throughout the year? Um, I like to think so. Um, Denisenko, I think, is going to take more time than Tippett. Uh, really? I think Tippett. Yeah, I actually think Tippett can make it to the second line a little sooner rather than later. But I think that if Duclair ever drops off, they're, those two guys are going to be put in positions that are that, that they're they're going to get the opportunity. And maybe on the first line they'll try and go with Denisenko, just because I think he has more upside than Tippett, but I don't think he's as ready as Tippett. Yeah, I think for me, the thing is, again, I agree with you that I think Denisenko has more upside. Uh, when I look at the guys, I think Tippett is someone who really would thrive in a top six role and really struggle in a bottom six role. Whereas I think Denisenko is the kind of guy you can put in a bunch of different spots and have success. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think Owen Tippett on your fourth line is great. Like, I think he needs to be playing with better players in order to be the best player that he can be. And that's got to be in the top six. Whereas I think Denisenko is a guy who can drive play a lot better himself. So you can put him on those third and fourth lines and get, you know, much more depth out of those uh, units. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know if you, you got a chance to look at the, the both groups. Um, interesting line into interesting defensive pairings. Yeah. Well, Radko Gudis is not inserted in them. Correct. He is actually. He was paired with Kevin Connaughton. Okay. So this was from uh, yesterday, actually. I I, I haven't found uh, today's unless this is today's. This is today's. Let's see. Oh. They don't have the lines for today. But yeah, he was paired with Kevin Connaughton, and then you're looking at um. Uh, sorry. Uh. Yandel Nudavara? Y- Yandel? No, Yandel was paired with... Uh, I don't think Nudavara was on the ice. Yeah, Nudavara wasn't on the ice. So Keith Yandel was pa- paired with two guys, actually. So there, two guys were rotating. It was either Mason Marchment or Saran Noel. Yeah, so I don't foresee that. That exactly. Being... So it's it's kind of it's kind of uh it, it, it's hard to judge the the that defensive core right away. Um, obviously Eklab and and Weger were playing together. 
Um, Stillman and Strawman, I thought was a was an interesting combination. Yeah, I think definitely keeping Strawman on that third pairing is the way to go. Yeah. Right, which would mean probably Nudavara slotting in with Yandel or Gudis. Yeah. I think that, that, that there's, you, you know, we, I don't know how like high end the, the defense can be, but I think that it definitely has a tremendous amount of depth. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously that, that top pairing is going to be, you know, they're going to have to carry a lot of the load for this team like they did last year. Um, You look at the rest of the defense. I mean, the subtraction of Mike Matheson, huge. Huge for that defense. E- massive, yeah. Right, like I think if you just ask, you know, if you're if you're just asking your second and third pairing just to be competent five on five, yeah, right? you're not asking them to go, you know, make brilliant rushes up the ice. But if they just go out there and just kind of saw play off and are neutral, like I think you'd be pretty happy with that. Definitely, um, because I think that was a big issue last year is that the defense was just getting burned. And then Bobrovsky was terrible. And then everyone just, you know, <laughs> roasted Bobrovsky. And then we get a bunch of people in our mentions being like, oh, it doesn't matter that Spencer Knight's playing really well because Bobrovsky signed for a million well, years. Like, <laughs> so that's what happens. But I think I expect this defense to be better this year, especially those bottom two pairings. And I mean, with four goalie coaches, I'm hoping Bobrovsky's better. Yeah. And I mean, Bobrovsky actually wasn't at practice yesterday. Uh, no. Neither was Patrick Hornquist, Prisky, Lamico, and Nudavara, which kind of makes it hard to establish a real baseline right now. But there's a scrimmage tomorrow night at 7, so I'm really looking forward to see, like, hopefully everyone plays. Um, but that'll give us a much, much better idea of what to expect. Yeah, for sure. Because they were be... just running drills. Yeah, it's really hard to tell with, with camp stuff. Like, I think when you're talking about evaluating, you know, players in this team, like, I'd probably say this year, like, seven games in, you'll, you'll kind of know uh, what this team is because there's no preseason. Like, it's going to take that amount of time to really get a good read on, on every team. Yeah. It, it is going to be my guess because teams are just going to be so, you know, not polished for that first, exactly. first little bit. Exactly. Uh, so it's definitely going to be a longer adjustment period than we've seen in years past. Yeah, but I think that there is an upside where, I mean, we saw during the bubble, teams were playing on the first day and the pace was pretty darn good. So I think there is that uh, possibility that we just get massively surprised and the pace of play is much more, much better than we expected. No, like I, like I, I expect the pace of play to be high. But I expect teams won't be like fully in sync. Right. Especially the teams that have had a lot of changes over the offseason, right. like the Panthers. I expect like the chemistry to take a while to catch up. But I think yeah. physically, yeah, they're going to be flying right out of the gate because, <laughs> you know, they're professional athletes and they're, you know, they're really exactly. Good. That's all they so, have to do. So I, I, I don't anticipate that to be an issue. Um, but yeah, it's just, just over a week away from opening night for the Panthers on January 14th. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, next week we're going to have, uh, our episode maybe with Jacob Barker, where we run down, uh, our project predictions and projections for each of the divisions this year, uh, should be a lot of fun. I don't think we have time for Jared tonight. Um, Uh, we'll try and get him on next time. Yeah. We always, yeah, we got to get him on next time. 
for sure. Uh, because we keep trying to get Jared Che on. Uh, we just but, keep running out of time. We have so much content which, to talk about. Yeah, there's just so much going on. And also, uh, with doing two episodes a week, we're doing two shorter episodes. Aside from right. that, aside from that one episode we did with with Barker, that was like two hours long. <laughs> uh, but other than that, yeah, we've been trying to keep them shorter. Uh, so apologies to Jared Che. We'll try and get him in next, next couple time. weeks here. Hopefully, we can get Barker next week too. We can roll out some predictions. Uh, I was looking at the divisions today. It's going to be pretty close in a lot of them. Uh, very different uh, look to the league this year. So it, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it, it will be. Yeah, and we can't wait. So we'll wrap it up there. Thank you to everyone tuning in. And we'll be back on Monday uh, with the next episode of the podcast. <laughs>